I got to find that movie and watch it because it sounds awesome. What movie is this? He did a documentary about a band called Siren. Siren? S-I-R-E-N. He did a documentary or they were talking about it? He just just finished a documentary. Okay. And he basically, he, uh, it was a band that like played metal together and then recorded like a, I don't know, a four track tape or something. And then broke up and everybody went their different ways and had kids and careers and stuff like that. And 30 years later, one of the guys in the band got brought into like an email thread and it said, are you like Bob so-and-so from the band Siren? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I'm from Germany. You guys are huge over here in the metal scene. And he's like, what? Yeah, we want you to come over and play our large metal festival. And so basically Jericho created a documentary about these guys all getting together after 30 years, many like, you know, having oh, to so bury. Oh, so he made, he made this documentary. He made the documentary. Okay. And it's a, it's not like a mockumentary. No, it's dead serious. Oh. It's like the anvil kind of thing. Like, it's funny because it could, the whole time that he and Beato were talking oh. and I'm like, oh my God, this so reminds me of the anvil. And then Jericho goes, Jericho, I don't know if Jericho or Beato, one of the two said, yeah, you know, it's like, like the anvil documentary. And Jericho goes, it must've been Beato that said that. And Jericho said, yeah, but like, at least Anvil were famous, you know what I mean? And they kept playing, like they were famous for a period of time. Yeah. Where these guys were just a bunch of guys that were like high school buds that recorded this demo tape. And somehow it made its way to Germany and the metal fans have them like revered as gods in this, in Germany. Wow. Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. I go by the name of Keisha uh, Fresh. I'm an MC songwriter from Toronto, Ontario. Um, I've been performing for about 22, 23 years now. And um, yeah, I've, I've you know done a lot of performances and collaborations throughout my, my, my career and just... Happy to be here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So listen, we're going to start off talking about, because you're wearing a Bill's jersey let's uh let's talk about football um i know i know greg wants to talk about uh what what who he thinks is your favorite player but before we not, go not there player, not player but go ahead yeah okay all right before we go there your thoughts because you you're not just from toronto keisha um you're from the great thriving neighborhood or city of scarborough yes so, yes, uh, so big up to Scarborough, uh, my my hometown, my my current town. Um, nice. <laughs> your thoughts on uh, another fellow Scarberian, the weekend and his performance at the Super Bowl? 
Oh, I'm so proud. I'm so proud. Um, just knowing of the weekend prior to him releasing music at all, and um, just seeing the growth of who he's grown into, and this artist with the most confidence, and you know, just such a a, a great career so far. Um, I was really proud of him. That moment of watching him on the big stage. As a a kid from Scarborough, you can't look at that. And uh, unless you're a hater, you can't really look at that and and, and not be happy for him. So I loved it. That is awesome. So you knew him before he was the weekend. Um, I never I never met him. No, I actually um, he before his team was XO. They went by they went by a a name. uh, She's so lovely. And so I was. his current creative director, uh, Lamarck Taylor, along with um, another uh, creative director from Toronto named uh, Hailey, they they did photography, a lot of visuals and stuff like that. So they did some of my first professional pictures when I released after I released my first single. And I just remember like meeting them, and they were telling like you know we're talking about what we're working on, and they were telling me about this artist who they were working with who's just like, they were like, man, we have some big things coming and like telling me like Drake's been checking him out and stuff like that. And this was probably a year or two, maybe three years before he released the song, What You Need. So um, just kind of learning about him early. Yeah. It was like, oh, that, that's, you know, that's cool. If Drake's looking at him. He must be super talented. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember they used to like hang out at this loft and they were like, yeah, you got to come by the loft. You got to come chill. You got to come meet him. And it just never, I never ended up going, <laughs> but it was just, yeah, it's just, it's just incredible just to see where all of them have, have, have propelled their careers. I'm really happy for them. That is awesome. That is so good to hear. Um, Greg, you want, you want to throw down your, uh, no, your I was, I, 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 I'm, I'm starting to question. I remember, first of all, I hope your grandmother's okay. Cause I know we tried to get together a short bit ago and I hope everything's okay with her. She, yeah, she, she's okay. You know, as you know anyone aging um unexpected things kind of pop up here and there that you know we kind of try to deal with as a family but now you know it's she's just getting older and less less active and less responsive to things so you know but she she's doing all right right now okay good 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 Good, good. so i remember i remember when we were going to get together uh, a couple of months back and i can't remember i have a note about the Pats and now with you in a Bills jersey were you are you a Pats fan were you chirping the Pats like I'm trying to remember what it was that I wanted no no you're absolutely right I'm a 100% New England Patriot fan um I I'm I'm also a fan of Stefan Diggs so that's why I'm wearing his jersey right now um Mm -hmm. my uncle got this for me so you know I'm a a fan so I I do definitely support players that I'm a fan of in the league and I do have different jerseys from players that I'm a fan of but I'm through and through New England Patriots fan, Tom Brady fan, through and through. So you you were, I, I assume like me, you were happy to see him do it again with the Bucks because this should put the GOAT discussion to rest, period, overdone. It should. Yeah. It should, but I mean, you know it won't, but it should because <laughs> at the end of the day, they always try to put an asterisk beside anything that Tom Brady does. But, yeah. you know, just this this going to a different conference, a new team, yeah. a new climate. I mean, you're going from freezing cold temperatures that he's adjusted and acclimated to playing in 
to the warmth in, in Florida and still being able to perform even at a higher level than we've seen him perform in the past three or four years. You, there's just no debate about it. Like to me, he is the greatest football player ever. All right. I and thought that's our was... music podcast. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. Greg, Greg and I love talking about uh, the best player to play in a, uh, in a league go. that Here is only, that, it, that, that is only in America. This sport has not played anywhere else in, I know. Uh, in, I know. in the, in the world. Um, I know. To those know. people who love, who love, like, I, what, what, what makes me laugh is when people compare him to, um, to Serena Williams or oh, to, man. you know, just other athletes that are global, you know, that they play everywhere. Um, so that's it's why not, it's not, I mean, I saw people trying to make comparisons to, you know, uh, football, like, well, European football, soccer. And for me, it was kind of like, that's, that's ridiculous. Soccer is such a global sport. Yeah. 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 It's, it's played by more people. Cricket is played by more people. You know what I mean? So there are many sports that are way bigger than American football, but because America has really centered themselves in the middle of the world that to them, that's. So, you know, we're all kind of caught in it. I, football is my favorite sport. I used to love bas- basketball. I still do. Basketball used to be my favorite sport. I used to play it. But I've, I've, I've become more of a football fan because I feel like basketball no more is, is not as competitive as it used to be. Right. So I'm just I'm more I just love to watch football. It's more exciting. Did you play basketball in high school? I played basketball pretty much my whole life. I stopped after high school because um, I had too much knee injuries. Um and then I had like I was diagnosed with arthritis in my right knee, so oh, I, wow. I stopped. Yeah, and the reason yeah. I asked that is because you went to Doc. Yeah. Yes, I did. So I grew up in That's... Whitby, and Doc used to be besides St. John's. No, in 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 Whitby. In Whitby. Yeah, okay. it used to be in Whitby. Um, besides St. John's, sort of, we'd have to walk past there, and so uh, yeah, I'd head to our high school. Yeah. That's crazy that they yeah. just moved a whole. Sc- Oh yeah. 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 It was a long time ago. I'm, I'm yeah. cream will tell you, I'm really old. So yeah. that was a long time ago. Greg's my dad. That's, that's real cool. <laughs> oh my. Well, Keisha, let's, let's, let's chat. Um, let's chat a bit about uh, music and you um, where, where you, you got started in music early. I read somewhere. Um, that you were in a children's choir, uh, and yeah. that that really piqued my interest because up until um, COVID hit, my son was, I think he had done five years, if not more, at a at a local at, at a Scarborough choir, the um, the Bach Children's Chorus. Um, but to tell me about you getting started in music. Um, I, like I always tell people, I, I was surrounded by music my whole life. You know, I have a lot of cousins and stuff who are musicians, DJs, producers. Um, so it's just kind of been a thing in my family. But for me, I, I can vividly remember being like five. My cousin would, ba- would babysit me and take me to the studio. So just being in that environment since that young age and understanding how fun it is and how much I wanted to be a part of that. It was kind of something I always wanted to do. Um, I start. I actually had my first published song when I was five because um, I wrote this. It was um, 
I was in kindergarten and we had two options. It was either we draw or, 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 well, there wasn't two options, but for me, I always make things difficult. So we were supposed to draw something (laughs) about springtime and I didn't want to, I didn't want to draw. I didn't like drawing. So I didn't want to. So the teacher said, okay, write a song. So I said, okay, challenge accepted. I wrote a song at five years old. I wrote a song. We have a copy of it right in front of me. I wrote this song and it was about springtime. And the teacher read it and was like, whoa, like this isn't bad. So she ended up giving it to um, the principal who got it published either by the local newspaper or the community newspaper in the area. And so that was my first published piece at five years old. And so just from there, you know, when I was maybe about nine, my mom took me to audition for this children's choir. And again, I, I wasn't a big, I wasn't big on singing, but I sang a lot. From the age of five, I was performing. I used to sing O Canada at different community events. Cause you know, when an event starts, you have to sing yeah. the national anthem. Yeah. I was the person that they would hire to do it yeah. at five years old. And it was just like a cute kid voice, but I never really was a singer. Okay. So it wasn't until I was, you know, I joined the choir and they put me in the alto section and like, I can hold a note. Like I held a note, but I couldn't, I didn't really sing. So I remember telling my mom, like, I, I want to rap. I prefer to rap. You know, it's more fun for me. It's, I like rapping. So she was like, okay, cool. Like, no problem. So even in the, in the children's concert choir, it's called TC3. I was allowed to write a rap for our big formal, our big showcase. And that was my first time, I was 12 years old, it was my first time performing a rap on stage. And I just remember being so nervous, but um, I wrote it and I, I performed it and that confidence and that feeling that I had. When I used to sing, I never used to be able to get through a full song on stage without laughing. When I was rapping, it was easy, you know? Okay. So I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. So my mom encouraged me. And after that, it was just all about rapping. That is awesome. And you still have that first song? Up on your, is it oh, yeah. on your wall there or your desk or? Yeah, like I, I actually can show you. I, I always uh, kind of keep it, keep it close. That is really... so cool. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um... If that's the original. Wow. Well, it's a photocopy of the original. My mom ended up making a whole bunch of copies, but. Can you, can you the sing that? Song. Do you remember how the song went or did you rap it? Um, let me see. I, I sang it. I, I definitely sang it. Summer's come of summer. Sorry, not spring. Summer song. Summer's coming. It won't be long. It won't be long. The sun is getting warmer. The sun is getting warmer. The rain is gone. The rain is gone. So my teacher apparently loved this. Those are rap Shakespeare poems so That's much. That's awesome. <laughs> and um, yeah, she. She, she wrote it down for me. I ended up still drawing. And then, you know, she stamped 1999. So I was, I was uh, six. I just turned six that, that summer. So, yeah. I was about to turn six that year. That is awesome. Yeah. That is so cool. But, that yeah, is... so they, they ended up publishing it. And my mom kept, they gave her the original copy and she kept it. And so I think maybe about five years ago, she found the original and ended up photocopying a whole bunch of them. That's great that she would keep that for you or that you could have it now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know. That makes me think, should I keep like my son is now, he's turning 15. (laughs) He's turning 15 in March. Do I keep all his school stuff? 
I tell people all the time. And you know what? When he's 25, he's going to come to you and say, dad, that thing that I did in grade four, do you have it? Like, I I didn't realize how much I do that to my mom. Like, every time I'm like, mom, do you know when I was the the yearbook from grade nine? Do you have the yearbook from grade seven? And she has them. She has our agendas. Like, she has them. And that's how we were able to find that. Um, there was a mixtape that I made when I was nine years old on a little recorder. She found that tape. So, like your own yeah. stuff, like original Keisha Fresh. <laughs> At the time, I don't. I think I went by something else. I don't even know what I called myself. But yeah, she found it. So that's awesome. That is. And so yes, cool. you should. You should keep all your son's stuff. Or you know what you can do, and this is what Kelly did. I mean, our kids are older and and like out of school and stuff now, but what Kel started doing was actually taking photographs of the artwork. So at least uh-huh. it's digital. So for example, with you, yeah. you can print it off. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got that. You don't necessarily have to keep the, exactly. the original, but yeah. Exactly. 100%. Our place is getting full. I've got to, I've got like a storage <laughs> unit now down the street. <laughs> the heck man. This is costly. And, this it's, is and costly. his son's only seven. It's weird. It's so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keeping, keeping everything. Um, I, I, w- I don't know if I was reading something recently, um, but I wanted to ask you about, um, we'll get back to, 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 to your, you, you and your career, but just something that popped into my head today, um, regional differences in hip hop, um, specific to, I don't know, specific to Toronto or specific to Canada. Are there differences in I don't know what people in the East end of the city rap about or their style versus the West end, or uh, is it, is it, or can you see provincial differences? I'm curious if, if you have any thoughts on that. Not, I don't see it in like, as far as cities go, I feel like a lot of the new artists I'm hearing coming out of Durham and stuff like that do sound like every, everybody, you know, kind of sounds the same, whether it's in the GTA or wherever surrounding areas, because they all intermix and listen to the same artists and stuff like that. So I think the influence is all the same. So the content kind of becomes similar, not too distinct. Yeah. Um, But I do notice that artists, for example, from Montreal have a more, what do I want to say? Cause it's not, the word isn't creative. I'm looking for the word is they have a more, they have more variety as far as their actual sound goes. A lot of artists I notice in Montreal mix kind of funky, um, up-tempo, poppy kind of instrumentalist vibes to their music, um, especially hip-hop artists. Uh, So I I feel like a lot of artists I've, I've collabed with some of them and it's, 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 it's just the creativity is a little more expanded there when it comes to hip hop, as far as the, the sound, the production that they go for. Um, and then you find like with people like Kay Trinata, who was from there and stuff like that, it's just this vibe, it's this vibe. And I think a lot of artists kind of have that same mold that Kay Trinata has as far as the production and for their music from Montreal. So that's a big difference I've noticed, but yeah. otherwise I think everybody's pretty much influenced by the same artists these days, the same sound these days doesn't really matter where you're from. We have a lot of Toronto artists who are influenced by Chicago artists and stuff like that. So the music sounds like drill music and it's the same. So 
you know, I just think people are all doing it in their unique way, but not really regionally, just individually as artists. Interesting. When did things start getting serious for you as as, as a rapper? Um, for, for you, yeah. I would say when I was... I think there's levels of seriousness. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I think when I was 14 was yeah. when I did my first single. That's when my mom officially took me to like a real studio and I wow. did my very first single. So that was, that was at 14. When I was 16 is when my first single, which well, my first official single, the other one was more of a song. This was my first official single that was out and for sale. That song, that was when it became radio and that's when it became, you know, like music video. So I still consider the the initial song, which was called Part of My Swag, I still consider that like a, a beginning for me because I was, again, me coming to a studio and actually recording and stuff. But being 16 and having a song on the radio and then later on having that song playing three times a day plus the remix playing once or twice a day and then a new single that I came out with at the same around the same time called Make It Look Easy featuring JB, that song also being introduced on, on that station having those three songs kind of playing around the same time at one time was like a, a milestone. So I think that there's different times where you start to take your, like your craft more, more serious and more yeah. serious. And then, and then recent times in 2016 doing the sorority work and joining the sorority and, and working with four, three other people. That's like, okay, this is another level of taking my craft seriously. So yeah. I think there's levels uh, to it and there's different, times where you're like okay this is this is different but this is also serious okay this is you know uh, i feel like i've had that i've I've broke through the ceiling a couple times yeah so you're 16 years old and you've got three singles that are playing on the radio yes so i had hollywood fresh which was my first official single um that was playing and then that was on flow in regular rotation for a few months for about it was playing about two or three times a day then we introduced the remix, which featured Mims. And that was playing a few times a day, not as much as the original, but a few times. But then the original started to scale back a bit and then you'd hear the remix. And then while that was, so when that started to phase out, DJs on Flow were playing my um, second official single, which was called Make It Look Easy. They were playing that in their set during the live mix shows and stuff. And then it premiered on flow um, while the other two were like kind of fading out. So they were staggered a bit, but it was just something super different to be able to have three songs from one artist. They don't typically do that. So the fact that, you know, it was so consistent was, was really cool. And are you in high school at this time? Yeah. I was in, I was, uh, I was in grade 11. Yeah. I was um, the coolest kid in school. I mean, it was cool, but the <laughs> teachers, the teachers kind of made made it a little tough because really, I guess they didn't like the attention that I was getting from like the other kids and stuff. When I did my talent show, a whole camera crew showed up for my performance. So, and then like a friend Love overheard it. one of the teachers basically like saying like, "Oh, I'm like I'm pretentious and who do I think I am?" And it was like, "What are you talking like?" 
And then, you know, they were like, oh, you, you have a kid that has music on the radio and stuff in, in your talent show. Like, you know, it was weird. But what high cool. school? What high school did you go to again? Doc. This is out in uh, out in the Whitby Ajax. area. Ajax. 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 Yeah. Jeez, like man, if you were in Scarborough yeah. and that hit, like you would own the city. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was cool because it was like it was like it was interesting because it was like I'm literally like taking phone calls from like the legends, like Dougie Fresh and stuff. And like during math class, like I had to step outside to take this call. You know, I have to be pulled out of class to go to the studio and do something, you know, like I would be doing this huge before. I remember I opened for Dan Hill at this uh, studio down in um, Liberty village. Yeah. 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 In Liberty village, I did a performance with Dan Hill. And then like the next morning I had to like be up for exam, you know? So it was like, it was like living in, I felt like Hannah Montana, like really living two (laughs) completely different worlds still having to do my schoolwork and focus and get good grades and, and hang out with my friends. But at the same time, I'm also going to New York and shooting a music video for my whole March break and, you know, being in the studio for 16 hours straight, you know, it, it, it was tough. It was tough to balance, but it was, it was fun. I can't say it wasn't fun. Oh man. Now, how, so you and Dan Hill, that's two different types of music right there. <laughs> you know, there's uh with Dan Hill, he was like, sometimes when we touch, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I. Funny thing is, I think I got that album here somewhere. So, but that's wow. That must have been a that must have been a trip. Yeah, that it was. It was like a lot of fun. Um, that show it was at the Wide Awake Studios that was in Liberty Village, and this was I think right before the Wide Awake Studios. Yes, there you go. I think it was right before the Wide Awake Studios was bought by death row or something i can't recall but something like that had happened right around that time so it was myself that performed dan hill and kim davis and um it was it was really interesting a lot of it was a private event industry people and i just remember being like 16 just like sitting there like okay this is is cool (laughs) that is amazing greg you were going to say something no i was going to say the funny thing is dan hill's mom was actually my nursery school teacher Oh wow! My mom, mom was a teacher at at Seneca. Okay, and uh, and so I went to the nursery school at Seneca, and yeah, Dan Hill's mom. So we actually, you know, he, I didn't. He, which yeah. uh, which campus did you? That would have been my mom taught at the one at four hundred four and that four hundred four and Finch. Newham, Newham campus, Newham. yeah, yeah. Newham. I went to. Um, I graduated from Seneca York. Oh yeah, which yeah. was a great facility. Yeah, yeah. Great time. Yeah. What did you study there? I took music. music. Independent okay. music production. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. So you're 16 years old. You've got three singles playing on the radio. Um, you're, I, I'm curious at that, at that age or at that time frame, um, was there also an album out or were you releasing singles? What's going on in, in the music for you at that time? Um, so I released a music video to my first single, Hollywood Fresh. Um, I released a music video, which we shot. We were invited to shoot in New York at Dougie Fresh's house. Some of it was at his house. Some of it was on the street and, you know, just around Harlem. Um, at that time, we were, we shot parts of that video on the 66th floor of the Empire State Building. 
And at that time, you know, this was this was about nine years after 9-11. So they didn't allow you to film anything inside of the Empire State Building. And we were given permission to do so. Um, I was told I'm the first person to be given permission to do so. I can never confirm that, but apparently you just weren't allowed to shoot in there. So we had to get special permission to be able to shoot up at the, uh, it was the Married to the Mob headquarters. It was on the 66th floor, right across from the FUBU and the Kuji offices, I think it was on the same floor. And um, the director, he was a, he was the, one of the creative directors, I think, or, or clothing executives at um, FUBU and Kuji at the time. His name was Phil Pabin. He was the one that took us up there, invited us up, got us hooked up with Married to the Mob and, they actually provided all the, most of the clothing for the video. So just there's a scene where I'm up there getting clothes and like shaking his hand and stuff like that. Um, and people always say like, oh, where was that? And I always say that was like, the, that was the headquarters married to the mob and literally across the hall with Kuji. And like, it was 66 foot Empire stapling. And I was like, amazing. Being 16 years old, I guess I couldn't really appreciate what that meant at the time. But now looking back, like that was crazy. I remember when we went in there, we had to show our passports and everything. We had to give them our passports and a whole bunch of like security measures to even be able to go upstairs. So um, you can't just go in an elevator. Someone has to come from wherever they are to come get you that, you know. So a whole bunch of crazy stuff that we were able to do. We shot one of the scenes coming from uh, walking under the, um, the um, Apollo, which was dope. Um and it was crazy because just having a whole film crew, I had my own Winnebago. I had my own private chef, obviously my own makeup artist, hair artist, my own stylist. Um, we had some Nike sneakers that were given to us. Um, at the time, Rev Run's daughters had a company called Pastry. We had pastry sneakers. Um, we had Adidas sneakers that were given to us for the shoot. Uh, the shoot was 26 hours. Um, a lot of my family, my mom, my aunt were there. My cousins came. Just so much. It was it was a, it was a real big production. We had police escorts. We had them block off the streets. We had um we had to take out millions of dollars of worth of insurance to be able to shoot on the streets in New York. So to be able to do all of this is an elaborate production. We had a lot of people, so you know we need a lot of insurance to ensure the cast and everything. It was really dope. It was fun. I had a great time. But like I said, 26 hours, we had legends. So Hank, Hank Shockley actually came and did the behind the scenes photos um, from Hank Shockley's from the Bomb Squad. He did the behind the scenes photos at the at the shoot. Um, I remember when Dougie came on set, His uh, he was just came from the gym. And so he came and he met us and we all met and it was great. And, you know, he's like, come in the house. And he owned like three brownstones on the, the street that he lives on. So... You know, we went in the house. He took us downstairs to the basement. There's an amazing studio with a reflection of his a projection, a light projection of his his silhouette holding up a mic. And he had like amazing, you know, studio gear and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I hardly ever use it, you know. And it's like, this is crazy. And then he goes into his um, closet and pulls out his Segway. And then we take it to the backyard. And then he's like, just so excited, showing me all this cool stuff. He pulled out his old valley boots and <laughs> super cool so there's a shot in the video of me and him in his backyard and you know he's on his Segway and that was really us just chilling and him showing me his Segway but they ended up getting those cool shots and then he was teaching me how to do the Dougie oh. dance and then we got those shots and you know just so many cool moments and then Mims came so Mims sings the song this is why I'm hot he came and I remember he had a flight out that night to India 
he was doing a performance in India. And I remember like he had to get, we were in Harlem and he had to get to JFK to catch a flight and he was still shooting. And I just kept saying, we got to wrap it up because he has to go. He has to go. And he's like, that's okay. If I miss a flight, I'll get the next one. You know, like he, he was just so cool. And he's like, I, I don't want to leave and we don't get the shots. So, you know, he stayed and, you know, we shot and he did make his flight. He ended up sending his luggage with his cousin ahead and we ended up getting him. He got to the airport on time and, you know, it was cool. But being 16, I guess you don't really realize the, the history that you're creating while you're in the moment. Cause it's like, this is fun. And then you look chance? back at it later. Yeah. Have you had a chance to keep in touch with, with these people still? I spoke with um, Dougie Fresh um, a couple times throughout the years. Like I'll DM him on Twitter and stuff like that, make sure he's okay. And, you know, we whatever we'll share the picture memories and, and laugh about it and stuff like that. Um, Mims, I same thing. He's actually friends with my cousin, so I saw him at her wedding, and it's ironic because my mom works for Telus, and they had a plaque for him from ringtone sales. He went platinum in ringtone sales and they had Whoa. a plaque for him sitting at the office. And my mom was like, Oh, I met him. I know him. He knows my daughter. So they gave her the plaque to give to him. So I actually, we were actually able to give it to him when I saw him. Um, and I actually have one for fat Joe as well. It's the weirdest thing. Okay. So <laughs> it's, um, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. Finish that story off. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I keep up, you know, Instagram, we'll talk, DM, we'll like check out my stuff. We, you know, we just, we, we talk in there. Yeah. So you can go platinum. This is something new for me. You can go platinum on ringtones. You used to be able to, not anymore. I mean, these are this is. I can't. I don't know if it's Lean Back or 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 what song it was for Fat Joe that I have. I know the Mims one was "This Is Why I'm Hot," but I don't know the one. But the one for Fat Joe is actually in my basement, and I don't. I don't. I think it was Lean Back, but that was back when ringtones were a thing. And yeah, you can with cell phone companies. They were giving artists plaques for selling a certain amount of ringtone just like if it was a record that's amazing well i hope there was some cash in yeah. it for them besides just the plaque <laughs> you know yeah. oh wow yeah they were they were they were they were making money off the sales like um yeah. there's a musician from back in the 80s thomas dolby who's uh, anyway and uh he had a big career in the 80s but he actually made his money creating ringtones like creating mixing and selling ringtones through the through the cellular networks so Moby also make money that way as well. Moby, I, I believe Moby did as well. Yeah. Moby as well. That's fantastic. That's amazing. That is just yeah. crazy. So hold on. You're 16 and you shoot these videos in New York. So a couple of questions pop into my head. Number one is, is, is there a label behind all of this that's financing it? Or is this, uh, is this like friends and family throwing in? Let's, let's help uh, uh, our girl Keisha. Uh, live her dreams. How how did that come about? Um. Yeah. So, at the time, we were in talks with a label. Okay. Um. But no, when it comes to financing the videos and all of the stuff that went along with that, it was my parents and wow. my family. Like wow. my 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 parents, you know, got some of my family members to chip in, they offered to help and, you know, got some funding for them. Then my parents remortgaged their house. Jeez. So, yeah. No pressure. No, <laughs> no, no you know, I, yeah. Right. Crazy. But no yeah, pressure. they remortgaged the house. So 
So why, uh, so was it important for you to go to New York? Why not somewhere close to home to shoot this thing? Um, I was actually telling this uh, the other day. Um, the reason we ended up in New York is first and foremost, the, the, the beat sampled um, Dougie Fresh's like fresh dress like the million bucks. We actually sampled that on the hook. So when we wanted to, when we took the song to get mixed mastering, we took it to, to flow 93.5. I remember they said, um, they said, great, but did you clear the sample? And so at the time, the, the little crew that I was working with, they were like, oh, we got to clear the sample. The person that we were tapping in to shoot the video, because we were shooting it here. I mean, we had no problem with that. The person that we were tapping in to shoot the video actually did a video for Dougie Fresh in the past. So he said, I'm going to call him and see how we can clear the sample. So he called him and he said, listen, this is from Toronto. They used your voice on a beat. How, what, you know, what can we do? Um, who do we have to talk to? Is it Slick Rick? Is he? And he, Dougie Fresh, actually said, you know, I, I own the rights to those, those songs. So I, I, I'll, like, you know, send me the song. So we sent him the song. And then I remember he called back. And I think we actually have the recording of him calling. And he was cool. like, man, he said, you know, a lot of people have sampled this song over the years. He said, you know, actually, a couple months ago, these other guys sampled the song, the same part you sampled. But he said, what you did, I like that. He said, you know, I don't think I have, uh, I've had a young girl come and ask me to clear that sample before. So he's like, listen, come, I'll clear it. That's not a problem. I'll get the paperwork over to you. I want you to come to New York and, you know, we'll shoot, we'll shoot the video. Um which I think we also put, like, I think the director also suggested as well, like, oh, like, maybe we should go to New York and shoot the video. Like, we come shoot it with you. And so he even suggested further, come shoot it at my house. So we, that's, that's how we ended up in New York. And I, I, you know, I was having this conversation the other day and I said, it's crazy because prior to that, I'd reached out to a lot of Toronto artists who I looked up to as legends and yeah. to kind of get advice or work. And none of them really kind of took me on. None of them really responded or took me seriously. So being able to have an American legend like Dougie Fresh reach, reach his hand out so far to invite me to his home to do that, mm-hmm. you know, that's, you know, you go where you're wanted. So that's kind of what we did. That's awesome. That is really, really cool. Um, you know, you you talk about different levels. Um I wanted to, how, how did the sorority come about? Okay. <laughs> so five years ago, which is coming soon, it's March 8th. Five years ago, we were tapped to do a cypher um, with a company at the time who was super big in the hip hop world called Team Backpack. So they reached out to us and said, listen, we have this cypher that we want to do for International Women's Day what do you guys think? Well, they reached out to the team that they hired in Canada to do some stuff for them. And they said, yeah, we're going to pull some girls together. So I, we all were reached, we all were kind of, I guess the team kind of had a girl in mind that they would want to be part of the cypher. So we were all brought in by someone. And it was kind of a thing where it was like, Hey, what are you doing on Tuesday? Nothing. I think it was like Tuesday, the 26th of February. Nothing. Just telling, cool. I need you to be here at this time. This is the beat right over. Like, okay, I have three days to do this. Like, whatever. So I'm like, okay, what's the theme? Like, oh, it's International Women's Day. Just come with a verse. There's no theme. Just come with a verse. Okay, cool. So I show up 
and I see Phoenix, uh, probably actually there, who I knew, you know, through the industry. And then I saw Havaya, who I never met, but I've heard of. And then Lex, and I never heard of, never met Lex or anything like that. So I was like, okay, this is a thing. Like, okay, it's going on, you know. And the ironic thing is we were all wearing black. So I was like, holy crap, like, we're all wearing black. Like, that's, we didn't, none of us knew we were going to be there together. We didn't talk to each other. We just showed up. So it's time to go. You know, we do the cypher. We do it. We do a couple takes. It didn't take us long to, to get it down, but we did it. And we had fun. We're like, hey, like, okay, this is cool. And then the cypher ended up dropping on March 8th, the 2016. It took off, did big numbers, millions, millions of views. Um, Havaya, they kind of separated our parts at one point and started posting them individually as well. And Havaya took off as well, like really big. So after that, people were like, when's the album dropping? What's the group name? Like people thought we were a group. And so we kind of talked to each other. We created a little group chat and we're like, hey, like we should do more music together. And so that led to us doing a song over uh, the, we sampled um, the Who uh, Undone. And we did a song over that sample at Cops Records. And then that took off again by Team Backpack. They put that and blew up again. So at this was October 2016. By November 2016, we were ready to announce like, okay, we're going to be a group. And then it was literally history after that. Like, it just was such a crazy momentum. We got a manager. We were signed to APA um, booking agency. Like, it was just crazy. That's crazy. And you did um, you did a a collaboration, I think, with was Snotty Knows Res Kids. Was it Son of Matriarchy? Son of Matriarchy? Yeah, Son of a Matriarchy. Yeah, we did that. Right. Well, we have the same managers. So okay. um, we just worked together all the time. We toured together. We always were on shows together. So yeah. it was just kind of natural for us to want to do a record together. And so they asked us to uh, do um, some stuff on their their album. And I remember... We're like, yo, we're taking the song over. So we all were in the studio. We all worked on the song together. And um, my, I, I wrote um, the hook and I wrote the first part of the hook. And and um, we all, and Lex wrote the second part of the hook. And Havaya sang the first part of the hook. And it just kind of came together. The song came together so perfectly. And, you know, we love, those are my brothers, man. I love working with those guys. We toured with them, like I said, multiple times. We did a lot of shows with them. Our final goodbye tour in 2019 was with them. And they're so talented and so fun to yeah. work with. And those guys are genuine. Yeah, I love those guys. Can you talk a bit about the, like, one of the key messages that I got out of that, or, or at least took from that, was the comparison of an indigenous views of women compared to white dudes like me and um, not Christian, but you know what I mean? Like it, 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 sort of the comparison to that in the play. Can you talk about that? Yeah. That song was important because in a lot of different households and different communities, different races, different religions, you know, the men are the men, you know, the men are the, the head of the household. You, everything is so patriarchal. Everything is focused on the patriarchy and men and men and stuff. So, for Snotty Nose Rice Kids, the message was pretty simple. In our lives, in our household, we hold the matriarch up up high. We we hold our mothers up mm-hmm. to, you know, at that standard. They're the ones that, you know, provide for the household as far as nourishment and the things that we, you know, you put a lot of focus, a lot of cultures put a lot of focus on who brings the bacon home, but there should be more focus on who's feeding the bacon to the family, who's preparing, you know, so even when we were speaking with them on what their vision was for the record and how they explained it, it was like women, people who identify as women, you know, 
non-binary, however you view, we want to celebrate the matriarchs of, of our family. And so that's why they tapped into us and said, listen, you know, you guys represent this strong female empowerment movement and we want you guys to help us deliver this message. Um, you know, so that's, that's kind of, you know, growing up in my household, my mom was the one who, you know, my dad would ask her, you know, her, like the say was usually in her, she's the final decision, you know, and that's just West Indian thing, you know, I'm Guyanese. So that's kind of just a West Indian thing in my family. So, you know, we kind of, res- I was able to resonate with exactly what they, what they, the vision that they had for that song. And, you know, it came together and I think there was a, there was a point where some of the language that was used in certain parts of the song were you know offensive to people and we heard and we were we apologized we don't want to you know separate any anyone or make anyone feel left out or anything like that we just wanted to put the women who raised us up on a pedestal so yeah why why did um why did you guys break up why did the sorority decide to disband i think for all of us it was just that this is that time um and i think we did i think we were pretty on the ball with that november 2019 literally three months before the, everything shut down anyway but we wanted to do things on our differently like i wanted to pursue other things i wanted to do songwriting i wanted to travel more i wanted to do other stuff and, and my attention was kind of drifting to other things um, Havaya just came off of a Polaris prize win and her momentum was so crazy that I know that she, and she wanted to do a tour, um, and start touring the, touring the U S and the UK and, you know, just kind of, ex- just, just rightfully getting the opportunity to experience life as a solo artist. Yeah. Um, Lex also was in the same boat where she wanted to put out her solo album and while it, 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 it was tough because working on I released an album in 2019, June. Havaya released hers in May. And Lex was working on hers. So throughout the year, it was like, hey, we need to rehearse for this. I can't, I can't. I mean, you know, it just got tough to get together and do the things that we needed to do for the sorority. And we all just couldn't commit the time that we needed to commit to the sorority. Um, there was times where we would be offered a show and it was like, oh, I was booked somewhere already as a solo artist. Or Havaya was booked somewhere as a solo artist. Or Lex, you know, so... We just couldn't, and we didn't want to let our booking agents down. They were having to go back and, you know, I remember having to go back and tell big festivals that they can't do it. You know, they already have a commitment or radius clause or a solo artist. So we didn't want to let our fans down by just not doing shows anymore and just letting it fade away. Mm -hmm. So we decided, listen, it's getting tough. Let's, let's end it, but let's not just break up or let it fizzle out. Let's give them a tour. Let's give them a song and a tour. So we released a song called Switch and we went on tour with Sign Those Red Kids and we did a final farewell tour. And I just love the way that we did that because we gave everyone one last chance to see us again, buy the merch, meet us. We did meet and greets. And, you know, people were like, I know there's a lot of people that felt that it wasn't an amicable splitter. And I'm like, this is, and we're literally all in the group chat, like listening to the chatter, like talking to each other. Like we, today, like two hours ago, we we're all, you know, we, we're really good friends. We actually awesome. are all friends. We talk every day, like we have group chat, you know, Lex and I kick it every day um, Well, on the phone, but we actually spend time together and, you know, we'll take weekends and hang out, you know, 
we we're all still we're all really cool and i always want people to understand the sorority didn't break up for any other reason except we couldn't give it the time it deserved and we just things come to an end and it's better that you recognize it early and Mm -hmm. you know leave on a high note and not just fizzle out or you know you know so that's what we did and yeah we're still really cool we all champion champion each other hawaii was on my last album you know like have I just dropped a really dope video? So we're all like celebrating her right now. You know, that's that's just what we do. You don't have too much time. I want to talk about a couple of things. Um, obviously, 2019, uh, you released Field Trip, uh, which was your your latest uh, your latest work, your latest album. Um, how how you know looking back on uh, on on the on the uh, the release of the album. Uh, I'm sure you probably wanted to be more active in 2020, uh, touring it. But you know, tell me about the album, and you know, you, you, whether whether you're happy with it, whether you're you know you're looking forward to whether it's 2021 or 2022 to uh, to do more work on that. Yeah, 20 the 2019 was like I said, it was a weird year um, because while working on that album, we were actively doing shows as a sorority. Um, so, dedic- like I said, that's one of the main reasons that made me realize I can't dedicate the time to both of these things the way I, I have to. Um, because in the midst of wanting to do festivals and stuff like that or do shows and stuff like that, as a solo artist to tour or promote that album, I'm doing things with the shorty that we've been booked into for months, months, months in the head, in advance. So it was it was a little more tough and that kind of opened my eyes to see that, but I, I, I love what that album was able to do press wise and, you know, just the ears that it reached and the people that it connected me to and that it connected to. We had a really dope listening session for the album and, you know, the, the, the reviews were great. And so I feel like that was an important album for me to put out at that time. But I knew that I was going to put it a little bit on the back burner at a certain point to finish off the year strong with the other commitment that I had with the sorority, mm-hmm. um, you know, being in Vancouver and recording our final single and, you know, just we t- every weekend we toured that album came out on my birthday. So June 28 in 2019, literally the day after we dropped that album or yeah, the day after we dropped that album, two days after we dropped that album, I was on a plane to do a sorority show in Victoria, you know, like every weekend it was, sorority 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 shows so it wasn't easy to kind of push the album the way that i wanted to yeah but it was okay it was okay because you know i was still being i was still able to perform it during uh sorority shows what we did was we ended up um doing solo songs so Hawaii was able to perform one, like two one or two of her records during the sorority set i was able to perform two songs after that Hawaii and i performed our song together on you know so we're still able to perform it and get yeah. views and get ears and stuff like that so that was cool that is awesome. You're a huge chess fan player. I love where how would you possibly know? That? This is the question you didn't want us to ask you, right? See? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I researched I, this I, and I gave him this question. But yes. go ahead. <laughs> that is that is absolutely crazy. Um I as a child I did everything. And I'm not saying that in any kind of way other than my mom kept me and my brothers busy. So karate, chess. Um, I played steel pan. Um, it wasn't something, it wasn't, I choir basketball every week, every day was something. So 
on Saturdays, I was in a chess club at uh, Tropicana, which um, was in Scarborough. I used to go every Saturday and be a part of this chess club. And I learned how to play chess. And I was really good at it as, as a kid. But the problem becomes after the chess club folded, I had no competition. I couldn't, no one in my family knew how to play chess. Uh-huh. So I didn't have anyone to play and practice with. And I had a nice glass chessboard. I remember my brother got drunk on his 21st birthday and broke it and I cried. Oh no. But um, yeah, my uncle gave me a nice uh, one. And, you know, I, I try to play it online and stuff like that. But you, you got, I got a little dusty, but I absolutely love chess. Did you ever get, and I play darts and darts. Yeah, of, of course. Darts. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever? What What are your thoughts on on that Netflix series, Queen's Gambit, with a strong female lead? Someone just told me to watch. I haven't watched it yet. Someone oh. actually just recommended it to me about a week ago. Okay. Yeah. All right, there you go. You'll, Something you'll to love do it. next weekend. You'll love it. I, I oh. love I love chess. I'm I'm sure I'm nowhere near the player you are, but I'm watching it with my wife, and I'm like, oh, that move. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm like, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. Someone just recommended it to me, and I like I saw it, but I'd scroll past it. But I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth a watch. So I got a question for you that we usually like to finish off our show with, which is, what's in your earbuds lately? What are you listening to? Oh man, well, like I said, I'm Guyanese, I'm West Indian, and so I'm a huge fan of soca music. And this weekend would be Carnival in Trinidad, so. Just because we can't really be there and we can't partake in any uh, any events, I just am listening to a lot of soca music, Marshall Montano, and 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 then Chess the Band and stuff like that. So that's 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 what I've been listening to. Very nice. That is awesome. Any new music coming out for you, Keisha? Twenty twenty one. Um, I actually have something really big coming on uh, on Friday. But I'm not allowed to talk about it. But you'll see it, and it's it's really it's 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 incredible. It's one of the biggest things I've ever done in my career. So that's going to be very dope. Um, and then I am working. I have a collaborative album, but again, I'm on a gag order, so I can't talk about that. <laughs> but it's going to be dope too. So yes, there is new music and new content coming. Not all of it's music. Some of it's um, you know TV and film. So just yeah, yeah, I'm working. Where where should people go? to check out this new thing that is dropped. By the way, Keisha, it's Tuesday today. This episode will go live on Monday. So, um, Oh, then I can sing it. Yeah. So yeah, check out TSN. I, uh, I did a spot for TSN, um, with, uh, it's basically a tribute to Angela James, who was the first female inducted yeah. into the hockey hall of fame. And, um, she's from Flemington park, which is where my parents migrated to when they first came to Canada. So, just, it meant a lot to me to for them to reach out to me, and I wrote an amazing piece, and I started it. So, yeah, that's that's coming out on Friday, TSN. That's awesome. What what yeah. show would would people have seen this on then? I'm not sure if it's a commercial or what it is yet. I know you'll definitely see it on their social media. All I don't right. know exactly what. I don't know if it'll be Raptors game. I don't know, but it'll be. On, yeah, it'll be on. Awesome. Well, I, I know you you post a lot on your Instagram, so I'm sure you'll have uh, something there. What's what's your Instagram handle for people who want to check it out? So it's free F R E E Keisha K U I S H A, and that's my Twitter as well. Awesome, Keisha. This has been great. Thank you so much for your <laughs> thank time you guys. Here. 
Yeah, thanks for the chat. It's been been a great, great evening. Thank you. Thanks so much, guys.